It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm Jake Lisko, one of your hosts, along with James Rapine, the other one of your hosts. You can find us on Twitter at Jake underscore NFL and at James Rapine. Follow us individually on Twitter and follow the podcast at Locked On Bengals for your daily updates on what's going on with the Cincinnati Bengals. Hello Bengals fans, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. This week we have exciting news to talk about and that is the training camp is apparently all systems go. And that means Joe Burrow and his fellow rookies are going to be in Paul Brown Stadium on Tuesday. And that was literally every single Bengals media member on Twitter tweeted, Joe Burrow in Paul Brown Stadium on Tuesday. As soon as that news came out. So that is certainly a storyline. But A.J. Green also signed his franchise tag and did a press conference with Bengals media members. And his tune has changed a little bit. So we will cover A.J. Green's take on his franchise tag as well to start the show. And then it's time to really preview training camp. Like I said, it seems like all systems are go for training camp to start for some teams this week. For other teams like the Bengals next week but at least rookies are showing up so we'll get into that in segments two and three of the show but let's start with AJ Green and his changed attitude I would say toward the franchise tag James it seems like every time we heard from AJ Green and he was asked about the franchise tag during the season in the negotiations leading up to this offseason and his eventual franchise tag that he's now signed He was opposed. He didn't like it. He thought that it was not fair to the players. He thought that it said a lot about what the Bengals thought about him. In Friday's press conference, Green seemed to have an entirely different take. Seems like he and the Bengals truly did have productive talks toward an extension, and that's why he didn't sign the franchise tag until after the deadline passed. He talked about mutual respect and He actually seemed to be happy and not obviously as happy as he could be, but happy to be a veteran in his position that's missed time from injury and just got an $18 million franchise tag, which is a far departure from his previous rhetoric and his previous opinions about playing under the tag. Yeah, I I think it, it was made clear that he understands where the Bengals are coming from and he's not taking it as an insult. He's taking it as... Yeah, I have been injured. And I, I also think that the the Bengals did, and by the sound of it, just the way AJ was talking, it sounded like his agent was interacting directly with Katie Blackburn for most of this. And she obviously put out the statement through the team about wanting to keep him long term. But, but the COVID factor here is very real. 
The Bengals don't know what the salary cap is going to be. They haven't seen him work out this offseason. It would be one thing if he was at minicamp and OTAs and reported all that and they knew exactly what the cap was going to be next year. Then even with the injury history, maybe you can get past it. But there was just so many things working against them here and against a potential deal. And I think he understood that. And I, I think that my biggest takeaway was the Bengals clearly, whatever they communicated to Green in his his side of things, in his camp, they did it in a way where he felt that he could have a long-term future in Cincinnati despite being franchise-tagged and having to play on a one-year deal this season. And he talked about the fact that he believes he has four good years left. Now, James, when you heard him talk about this, you were in the press conference. Did you get the impression that he wanted to play four years after this year, or is that four years including this year? Because if I'm the Bengals and I'm looking at a long-term deal for Green after he plays out this year on the franchise tag, three years, as we've discussed on the Lockdown Bengals podcast quite a bit, a lot more palatable than four years when you start to look at the age of each of those years for A.J. Green. Absolutely right. And and I I think he said he had four elite years left high end, you know, where where he's one of the star wide receivers in the league and who knows how long he plays. But I think that there's a very specific number and there's a reason for it because he's being paid like a top receiver this year. And then I think if he plays well, that three year deal uh, is exactly right for him and exactly right for the Bengals. And and so I, I don't think that was a made up number. I think that was pretty calculated. Uh, and he didn't hesitate with it. it. You know, he was very, very direct. I have four elite years left. And, and we can go back and forth on whether or not whether or not that's the case. But the Bengals clearly believe in him. I, I've said that really from day one. And I, I think they've been we talk about how consistent they are with some of their messages backing a bad offensive line. Well, they haven't been more consistent than backing A.J. Green and in, in saying that they want him to be a, a part of the the long-term future of this team. So uh, the franchise tag this year is what he's going to have to do, but I I would not be shocked at all if a week into the regular or a week after the regular season, uh, if they are able to to reach an extension, if he plays well. And AJ has always said he wants to play for one team for his entire career. So that's something that the Bengals have going in their favor, but obviously he understands the business aspect. If he didn't, he probably would be a little bit more upset about the way things went down. But from a business perspective, he's going to make good business decisions for A.J. Green. The other fun thing for me that came out of this press conference is that A.J. heard Joe Burrow back at the Combine when he said, yeah, it would be great to play with A.J. Green. He's obviously one of the best players in the game. And he had very positive things to say about Burrow, who he said he hasn't met in person. And James, one of my takeaways from that is that he actually hasn't been participating in the virtual offseason. And and maybe that's reading too much into it, but he didn't even say, no, I haven't met Joe in person, but I have met him in meetings kind of thing. So the Bengals have been very tight-lipped about that. We don't know whether or not that is true, but that is something that I read between the lines a little bit on, and he may not have been a part of those virtual offseason meetings. I didn't even catch that or pick up on it, and and that that is a good point. And I, I would wouldn't be surprised in the least if he didn't participate in the you know the virtual meetings and stuff. I don't think that's going to really hurt his rapport with Joe Burrow. Uh, but you're right; he said he he's exchanged texts with him, but it's not like they've talked in Zoom. Meeting. You know, he didn't bring up meetings at all, and usually that's what players do. Uh, you just hope that, and I know we're going to get into training camp. You hope that they're able to 
work together and have enough time to get acclimated and get ready. That That's my other takeaway is he was like, everyone talks about us clicking when we get on the field. He's like, I've been doing this a long time. Bro's mature. We're going to be fine. So he, he didn't seem that concerned about it. At the same time, it, it is going to take a little bit of time for Burrow to get used to AJ and vice versa uh, so they can perform at a high level. Not only that, but he actually brought up coming into the league with Andy Dalton. They didn't have an offseason program that year either. They got together for the first. I mean, there was the the uh, unofficial workouts that Andrew Whitworth organized, but he pointed out that the first time he worked officially with Andy Dalton with coaches and stuff was, was the training camp. So it's going to be similar for AJ and Joe Burrow this year with, with no offseason program. So as we've talked about before, he does have that experience. And the Bengals, the front office especially, does have that experience. And the difference this year is that there are just a lot of new players around that will need to hit the ground running in about a week's time. And speaking of hitting the ground running or maybe keeping your car running, the show brought to you by rockauto.com, direct convenient self-service go on to the website you need a part for your car you don't want to go to advanced auto parts where you're going to have to pay more money for the same thing or maybe for a more limited selection from the comfort of your own home very convenient go to rockauto.com support a family business they've been serving auto parts to customers for 20 years pretty good stuff right james it's awesome. It's extremely convenient. You have over 300 different car makers. Uh, whether you're looking for your Honda, like me, or you drive a Kia, or Ford, or a Daewoo, it doesn't matter. They're going to have the part you need, the filter you need, whatever it's what you're looking for. You don't have to waste time at the big box store. You can get it all done from the comfort of your own home uh, and then save a bunch of money because you're making those repairs yourself. So uh, I use rockauto.com. I'm a believer, uh, and you should be too. When you go to rockauto.com to buy your auto parts, make sure you write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As my co-host James Rapine points out on allbengals.com, Joe Burrow and the rest of Bengals rookies will report to training camp on Tuesday, July 23rd. There is a limit on the number of players allowed to be in facilities at the same time until the NFLPA and the NFL can agree on an, effect, on an infectious disease emergency response plan. So until that time, only 20 players will be allowed in the facility at the time. But for now... This means that with some degree of certainty, as literally every Bengals media personality pointed out on Friday, Joe (laughs) Burrow will be in Paul Brown Stadium on Tuesday for some reason or another. Maybe just to get his COVID test and then he's out the door. Or maybe we'll get a photo op. Hard to say. I would actually lean toward the former. But there's a lot of excitement. People are very stoked that Joe Burrow coming to Paul Brown Stadium will finally be a real thing. It will be. And and I do think it is going to be the former. I think he's going to come. 
uh, take his his COVID-19 test, get those results, and then come back 24 hours later and take another test, assuming that he's able to pass those two along with the rest of the rookies. Then we could be talking about strength and conditioning and these guys getting together uh, on the field potentially and in the weight room and and really starting that in-person bonding. Uh, But there is a lot of uncertainty when it comes to training camp still. There are a bunch of veterans from J.J. Watt to Jarvis Landry tweeting uh, about the things they still need to figure out between now and camp. With that said, the NFL and teams can still say, all right, rookies, get in here. And so Joe Burrow is going to be at Paul Brown Stadium on Tuesday. And this has been a long offseason. Hopefully the the NFL can iron out the details uh, behind the scenes. But uh, I know fans are excited and they should be because the number one pick is going to be at PBS this week. The rest of the Bengals, the veterans, are due to show up on July 28th. Carlos Dunlap tweeting out on Sunday morning, July 28th, Corona ball begins. Protocol still in question, but employee 96 is ready. Not even a question. So you've got (laughs) J.J. Watt on one side expressing his concerns, which are fair to be sure, because J.C. Treader, who is the current president of the NFLPA, made a really good point to me. If I, a center end up being sick with Corona. I've interacted with 30 different guys. What's the plan for that? Are we expecting a team that's missing 30 guys? What, what, what's the plan for, for that situation? Do I need to go sign 30 street free agents and try to field a team? And the NFL apparently hasn't had an answer for that. And that seems like to me, a pretty fundamental question. If a team deals with an outbreak, what's, what's the solution to that sort of thing? But on the other side, you've got Carlos Dunlap, who's saying, ready or not, here I come. I, I want to play some football. And, and I think he kind of got the same, some of the same stuff from A.J. Green, who expressed his concerns, but was also ready to go out there and show, in his words, that he's the old A.J. Green. We also heard that former Bengal Andrew Whitworth and his family all contracted COVID-19, and Whitworth's father-in-law had the hardest time with it. We heard from Freddie Freeman from the Atlanta Braves recently that he had COVID and at one point prayed for his life when he was concerned. He didn't want to fall asleep because he was afraid of his fever spiking in his sleep and not waking up. So this stuff is real. This is a real threat to the lives of of everyone, and that includes professional athletes. However, on we go to training camp, James, the Bengals are going to be there on July 28th. And this is a really interesting training camp for the Bengals for reasons unrelated to a global pandemic, but for football reasons. And that starts with some of the stuff we've talked about with the young players, with all the new players coming in. And uh, most importantly, a new quarterback. Right. I mean, you, you get to see Joe Burrow for the first time. He gets to throw to A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd and, you know, Auden Tate, John Ross, T. Higgins. And it, it's just... I can't think of a more important training camp. Like it's it's it, it's insane to think about, but all of the roster turnover on this team. You have a bunch of new guys they haven't met in person. The coaching staff hasn't talked with Joe Burrow in person outside of the combine ever. And and so there's there's going to be obviously a, a lot of topics, a lot of storylines, and you just hope that given the pandemic, that there's enough time for them to get ready. Because you need Joe Burrow to be hitting on all cylinders before he's going to have to deal with Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram and, and, and those guys from the Chargers in week one. And while we all want football week one, you also want to see Joe Burrow ready for it. And, and who knows if he has preseason reps, right? So training camp is going to be much more important, I think, uh, than really any year, even 
the lockout year in 2011. At least there were preseason games. I'm not sure there's even going to be a preseason game this year. And, and so that's many less reps than Burrow would normally have, uh, less game action, uh, and less experience, which is tough when you're talking about the number one overall pick and a guy who's supposed to be the uh, the franchise savior, so to speak. And I think that that kind of points toward one of the most interesting parts of this year's camp, the no preseason game part. How do you make roster cuts if if there's no preseason? How much more difficult is that when all you have is maybe a scrimmage and, and practice to work from? And there are a lot of bubble players on this team. We started to talk about some of them, but we haven't really talked in depth about the four cornerbacks fighting for one spot at the end of the cornerback room where the Bengals acquired a ton of back of roster cornerbacks from other teams, LaShawn Sims, Winston Rose, Tony Brown from Green Bay. They kept guys like Greg Mabin, Torrey McTire. There's even a college free agent in the mix, Isaiah Swan. I mean, we, we haven't even talked about that. How do you make the decision between which of those guys or maybe two of those guys stays on the roster to back up at cornerback? Obviously, they know Torrey McTire from last year. They know Greg Mabin from last year. And then they go out and spend money on Winston Rose, LaShawn Sims, Tony Brown. How do, you, how do you make that decision without games? That gets a lot harder. Same thing in the wide receiver room. We have talked about that one quite a bit. The end of the tight end room is going to be much the same, where there are currently, James, seven tight ends on the roster. We haven't talked about this once. There are seven tight ends on the roster where they'll probably keep three, maybe four. Yeah, they're, they're going to be battles all over. And then you also have the uncertainty of the expanded practice squad. We don't know how many players they're going to be able to, to, to put on the practice squad. And really, the NFL feels disorganized here uh, when it comes to this stuff. And, and uh, honestly, I think the roster, all 53 guys should be allowed to be to be active. You don't need the seven inactives, I think, with COVID. I think that that's one thing. And just expanding the rosters in general, not just the practice squad. That's what I would do. Probably too late to do that. So you're going to see a lot of these guys fighting for for spots. And we're not going to have a clear picture. It's going to be up to really everyone that's at camp covering it to figure out who's who has the big preseason game number three. Only it's going to be training camp practice number 22 on a Thursday. And, and like those things, like whoever stands out in those practices – it just it's going to matter more and it really could be the difference between being the 15th guy on the practice squad or somehow uh squeaking your way onto the final roster so there are going to be a ton of battles a lot of young guys and honestly there's a lot of pressure on this coaching staff to 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 make the right decisions here because those decisions obviously can can make or break you when we're talking about special teams you're talking about critical moments and close games and you would think that all the coaching staffs would be dealing with kind of the same thing here in the nfl none of them Everyone's in the same situation, but the difference for the Bengals is that you're coming from a very, very bad year, and there are some expectations that have started to build around this team this year to take a step in the right direction, and the first step of going in the right direction is making the right decisions about what players to keep on your roster, and and they're without this critical tool. You heard Marvin Lewis talk about this all the time. I feel like we heard this from Zach Taylor as well. Yeah, practice makes a big deal. Practice is is a very important data point, but you really learn about these guys in live game situations. Now that tool is out of the toolkit, it'll be very interesting to see how these coaches approach decision-making. And James, I hope you have a chance to ask Zach Taylor about that at some point once direction 
on preseason is finalized. Coming up next, James, I want to get into the most interesting storylines from camp. We can both pick one or two. The most interesting things are the things that you're going to be most paying attention to. That discussion coming up next. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So as we're recording this on Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, there are a number of high-profile players. We talked about a few of them. J.J. Watt, now since then, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, NFLPA president J.C. Treader seem to be coming out in a unified effort to try to get the NFL to adopt whatever's being recommended by their experts. J.C. Treader explaining that what you're seeing today is players standing up for each other and the work their union leadership has done to keep everyone as safe as possible. The NFL needs to listen to our union and adopt the experts' recommendations. Hashtag, we want to play. And that hashtag, we want to play, is something that we might be seeing a lot of on Sunday heading into camp. And obviously, the COVID stuff is going to be an interesting storyline in this year's camp. But outside of that, let's focus on the football stuff. And for me, and James, we'll, we'll start with you. I'm just going to tease what my thing is. It's going to be how do the Bengals integrate all these new players without the rest of the offseason program? How do we get guys like DJ Reader hitting the ground running, Josh Bynes hitting the ground running, these major offseason investments? That's what I'm really interested in seeing. You could talk about the offensive line. You can talk about the linebackers. And those are certainly high-profile stories that we need to watch. But there are so many new players at important positions obviously starting with Joe Burrow, that that's what I'm going to be most interested to see. What about you, James? It's trench play because we talk about Joe Burrow getting acclimated to the league. Well, you can simulate a lot of that stuff, but it's really hard in, in today's training camps, which aren't as physical as before, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. They don't go live nearly as much. And if you're not going to have preseason games, you haven't had a full off season of workouts at team facilities. And this coaching staff is expecting Michael Jordan to have developed and be better. They're expecting Xavier Suofilo to transition to right guard and do it well. Jonah Williams to start his first year after missing all of last year uh, at left tackle and be an upgrade. You know, Bobby Hart, uh, Fred Johnson, Akeem Adeniji, one of those guys emerging as a starting right tackle that's competent. It, it, it sounds good to expect that and, and think that stuff like that is, is going to happen, that development is going to happen. But it's a whole nother thing. Um, to to think that it's going to happen given everything that's going on. And, and so I, I just I, – I don't know how they're going to do it without preseason games. So my eye will be on the offensive line, and when I'm at camp and in training camp practice, how they simulate game action. Because in the past camp, they're not really blocking much at all, like even when they're going 11 on 11. And, and it, that's just – that's part of camp, and that's how it is when you have four preseason games. Well, if you only have one or you have none – I expect to see more live sessions, which is something that, that is obviously up to the, the coaches, the NFLPA, all of that, the union and, and the league. They, ha- they have to decide that because these players need to get ready specifically on the offensive line for the Bengals. 
And another thing that'll be fun for you, at least, is this is your first Zach Taylor camp. The last time you covered mm-hmm. the team, Marvin Lewis was still around. So they're obviously both constricted by the same NFLPA rules in terms of what's allowed to be full padded, what's allowed to be full contact. And that might change this year. We, we don't know if there are going to be special provisions in place for COVID this year. But you make a really good point about the trench play. And, and that makes me think, is Joe Burrow not going to de- get his first NFL hit until week one against the Chargers in Paul Brown Stadiums? Is he not going to have the opportunity? You hear quarterbacks talk about this all the time. Yeah, it felt good to go out there and get hit and get up. It reminds me what it is to play football. Is he not going to have that experience until week one? Because the Bengals aren't going to hit him, right? They're going to keep that red jersey on him for all of camp, you would imagine. There won't be a preseason opportunity for Joe Burrow to get hit for the first time in the NFL if, and I'm assuming here, there are no preseason games. That's a good, that's a really good point. And honestly, if I'm Zach Taylor and, and people might completely disagree here and I'll oh, keep him healthy, keep him upright. I would almost go live. Like if there are no preseason games and you're able to do it within the rules and stuff, I think you got to see it because man, if if, if Bobby Hart's going to struggle against Carlos Dunlap or he's going to struggle against Carl Lawson, and I'm not just saying Bobby Hart, Jonah Williams too. Well, guess who else they're going to struggle with? Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, right? I mean, it's just, it's going to be such a, a difference. And, and I, you could also argue, look, at LSU, Joe Burrow didn't need to get a hit. But, well, actually he did because college training camp is tough. College training camp, when you're preparing, it's much harder, and they don't have a preseason, and that's why it's hard is because they they go live, they hit hard, um, and they do a bunch more hitting and much more physicality uh, in physical practices than the NFL. So maybe you do that a little bit, but do you want to put Burrow at risk? Obviously not. At the same time, you need your team ready, and I think by getting ready, you're going to have to – Maybe go live except for Burrow, but you're right. I mean, it, it would suck if he doesn't get hit at all, you, you know, just to get it adjusted to life in the NFL. If he if he hasn't taken a hit until week one, that, that's uh, that's tough. But unfortunately, that's something that he might have to deal with. I think that's the way they have to go. Imagine the backlash. If Joe Burrow were to somehow get hurt in camp yeah. because the Bengals were like, you know what, we can have live hits on the quarterback for just this one day, just so Joe Burrow <laughs> knows what it's like to get hit by 280-pound Carlos Dunlap or 300-pound Geno Atkins, or 340-pound uh, DJ Reader. Just, just, just this one day, it'll be <laughs> fine. You know what? It, it's okay. We can, we can hit the Golden Boy. There's no way. That, that just can't happen. But I do agree that the, the trench play is going to be very important to watch. This is something that has favored the defense strongly for like the last three years. I feel like we've come out of training camp thinking, mm-hmm. oh yeah, Carl Lawson, he's going to wreck the league. Carlos Dunlap looks great. You know, and we've asked the question, at least the last two years, how much of that is because the offensive line is so bad? How much of that is because, oh, no, the defensive line is pretty good. This is the strength of the team. It's something we've been talking about as a strength of the Bengals for years. It hasn't necessarily showed up on Sundays. And a lot of that, to be fair, is because of game script and, and late in games when a lot of teams rack up those pass rushing numbers. The Bengals are instead defending the run because they're behind by 14 points or something at that point. And especially last year, that was the case quite a bit. But the other thing I wanted to talk about James was the integration of these new players. How are the Bengals going to use DJ reader? They have made it sound like they have a plan to diversify his use to get him lined up all over the interior defensive line. 
how will they truly deploy him beside Geno Atkins and what will surely be a lot of three down linemen fronts that we see this year as the Bengals continue to bring in coaches with three, four coaching experience and started to use a lot of those formations last year, be it three linemen or five linemen on the field with a couple of them standing up. Same kind of idea. You're going to end up with three interior defensive linemen on the field at a time. The logic to me says DJ Reader will be a nose tackle in those situations, but the coaching staff, Nick Eason in particular, talking to Bengals.com in the last month or two, has made it sound like they have plans to use him all over the place. And it's not just DJ Reader, while that is the biggest signing, you talked about Xavier Suofilo. How is he going to fit? Making a transition to a position that he hasn't played a whole lot of in a new offense that should suit him fairly well. And we've talked about playing in space for him. How is he going to transition? What about the rookies? What about Logan Wilson, Akeem Davis-Gaither? What about Hakeem Adeniji, T. Higgins, and of, of course, Joe Burrow? How do these guys all hit the ground running and mesh? How do we establish that team culture in a shorter period? And if anyone can do it, I think Zach Taylor is well-equipped for that sort of thing, the way he was able to keep guys playing late in the year. But this is a different kind of challenge. It's completely different. And it's, it is one thing I think that Zach Taylor, uh, and you're right, I haven't covered a Zach Taylor training camp, but from talking with him, he does seem like he's able to adapt much more than Marvin Lewis uh, with certain things like Marvin had grown rigid. He had been in the same place for 16 years and he just kind of did things his way. And Zach Taylor is, he's kind of rolled with the punches this off season. Uh, he had to last year with multiple injuries. I mean, think about, it. I get, they were awful, but mini camp, Jonah Williams, your number one pick goes down. AJ green goes down. Your number one, pra- or number one receiver during your first training camp practice. Like he had to adapt to a lot of stuff last year. And uh, obviously this offseason as well. And and that's going to have to continue throughout camp and probably throughout this season, because the reality is, is there are going to be players that test positive for COVID and you're going to just have to be ready and the practice squad's going to have to be ready. And that's what you're going to have to do. So there's just there's so many factors here. And that's the other thing with camp, Jake. These guys need every practice. Like you can't have DJ Reader feel confident going into week one if he misses three weeks uh, because he, he gets COVID and he, he's missing significant time when he's supposed to be learning the playbook and getting acclimated on the field. Uh, and, and I'm just so picking him out of a hat there. Uh, same thing with Burrow and all the other newcomers. So this is uh, it's going to be a, an interesting camp, to say the least. There are a ton of storylines. I really can't think of and I get it. Zach Taylor last year it was his first camp. I can't think of a training camp, though, with more storylines going into it from Joe Burrow, the number one pick, uh, all of these newcomers, obviously everything going on with the pandemic. I mean, there's a lot of things, a lot of angles, a lot of topics that we'll certainly be monitoring throughout uh, throughout the next month or so. Yeah. And talking about all these new players and all the things that we're watching in training camp, we haven't even mentioned. I haven't mentioned because this was my thing. Von Bell, Trey Waynes, Mackenzie Alexander, three newcomers that are going to be expected to start in the secondary. If you just compare the the starting lineup last year to the current projected starting lineup for 2020, the number of new players, which includes A.J. Green, which includes Jonah Williams, two guys you just mentioned who weren't around all year last year, we'll have to do some math, but I bet you it's like 50% of the starting lineup is new. Something like that. Right, you got two new starting corners, a new safety, three new offensive linemen. That's 
seven guys already new quarterback eight new wide receiver nine we're pretty close to 50 percent already new new nose tackle there's 10 need one more guy to get to 50 percent new linebacker, linebacker. there, there you it go. is 50 percent of the starting lineup totally turned over and this was a roster turn that we expected in year one from zach taylor instead we're getting it a year delayed in year two we're starting to see the zach taylor coaching staff put together his roster and for a lot of reasons, like you said, James, it's going to be a very interesting training camp. We'll continue to talk about some of these interesting storylines this week because there's more than you can unpack in just one episode. Until then, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.